Bibles turned over. We're going to be over First John chapter five today. First John chapter five. We're going to, we're going to look at faith. That's faith is a big thing. Faith is something uh, without faith you can't do much, can you? I mean, that's faith is. We put our faith in Jesus. When we're saved, that's what we do. We put our faith in Jesus. We have faith in His saving grace. We have faith in His death, His burial, His resurrection. We have faith in God the Father. We have faith. And so we're going to look at faith today for a little bit. And, uh, when I was studying here this week about this, I, I got thinking about um, American Express. That's uh, the, the company I work for, Wilcox Travel. They're an American Express um, I can't remember what the term is because I don't have to deal with that side of the company, but so, but they're affiliated with American Express, so you get benefits as you travel and you have an American Express card, you get points and perks and you get free flights eventually, you get all these nice things with it. But everybody knows what the, the motto is or the, the uh, whatever you call that slogan, I guess, for American Express. It is don't leave home without it. That's their that's their, their slogan. And it means that that card is supposedly accepted anywhere and everywhere that you go in the world. You take your American Express, you can swap it anywhere and purchase your item. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> it don't work that way. I've got one of those cards now for the office, and the majority of the time, it don't work for me. And it, I'm in Boone. And so if I can't leave my house or you know my office in Boone and go somewhere and use it, I want to ride them and tell them that they need to change their, their, their slogan there, that they're wrong. But I got thinking about that. Don't leave home without it. They're trying to tell you, they're trying to convince you that you got to have this little piece of plastic before you leave your house. Or you can't function without this little piece of plastic. Take this card and use it anywhere you want to. But here's what they don't tell you. They don't tell you about interest rates. They don't tell you about all the bad things that come with credit cards. And how they can get you in trouble. Because credit cards will get you in trouble if you ain't careful. Well, this morning, John's going to teach us something similar about our faith. How we don't need to leave home without our faith. Everywhere we go in this world, I don't care if you take your pocketbook, your wallet, your credit card, cash, it don't matter. Wherever you go in this life, don't leave home without your faith. Don't leave the church without your faith. Take your faith with you everywhere you go. And as Jerry was talking about this morning in Sunday school, people need to see that on us. People need to see the faith on us. They need to see Christ on us right. wherever we go. And that's it. Folks, that's how it is with the Christian. They, the world is to see our faith. When we're in a car wreck and, and, and we're beat up or bruised or whatever it might be, whenever we're hurt, whenever we've lost a job, or whenever we've lost a spouse or a loved one in this life, folks look at the Christian to see how we're going to react. Right. How are you going to handle what's going on in the world right now? How are you going to handle with what's going on in your life right now? Folks need to see our faith in action in these points of uh, times in our life. Uh, Jerry, I don't even know if you read this or not, and I don't know if I can find it now. But there, there was something in this book I caught. I bet I won't be able to find it. Didn't have anything to do with Grandma today. Here it is, right here. I'm going to read this real quick. You marked it, but you didn't read it. You should have read this. Let's talk about Jonathan Edwards. He was a pastor who had a, a prolific writing career. He became world famous for his role in the First Great Awakening in the 1730s and 40s. His life was busy and full, yet like nearly all of us, he experienced great heartache along the way. After 23 years of serving his church, his flock fired him. 
seeing him and his family out on the streets. While he was in the midst of being fired, badgered and backstabbed, the people of the town paid close attention to his demeanor. As they observed his behavior, one man said, I never saw the least symptoms of displeasure in his countenance the whole week, but he appeared like a man of God whose happiness was out of the reach of his enemies. That, folks, that's faith. That's, when you get canned at work, I can't imagine being canned as a preacher, but he was canned as their pastor, and he went out. And folks could still see God on him no matter where he went. That's faith. That's faith knowing that God is going to provide, he's going to supply, and he's going to, he's going to heal the brokenhearted. Like the Bible says, he's going to be with us no matter what. That's faith. So John's going to talk to us this morning a little bit about faith and how we are to have that kind of faith. The Bible teaches us several things about faith. We know that without faith, things are impossible, ain't they? Without God, we can't do anything. Without faith, we can't do anything. The Bible also teaches us that uh, the, the just, it says, the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. By faith. That's how we walk, ain't it? That's how we walk in this life. By faith. Not by sight. Thank God, because I'm blind in one eye and I'd get in a lot of trouble. But I can go by faith everywhere I want to go in this world. I don't care where, where God calls you in this world. If you go by faith, just close your eyes and take off because he's going to have your hand. He's going to lead you just like did Peter whenever Peter sunk in the water. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he, and he started looking at the wind as boasters. And he started looking at the wind and he sunk, but Jesus grabbed him by the hand and pulled him up. Same thing with us. When we're walking through this world, the wind gets a little, uh, little boasters. When the storms start hitting us and we start getting a little excited, we take our eyes off Jesus and we start to sink. Jesus is going to take his hand and, and by faith, we're going to take his hand. And we're going to allow him to take us on through whatever we're going through in this life. But it's only by faith. Now, if we really open our minds up to the scripture we're about to read, we'll see that faith is something that we really don't want to live this life without. How many of y'all have ever said the words, I've lost faith? I've lost faith. I've lost faith in something. I've lost faith in government. I've lost faith in the church. I've lost faith in my friends. I've lost faith in my family. That's, that's, a, that's a sad place to be in life, to lose faith in something. But if we will find faith, and if we will go through this life with faith, we can do a lot of things. God will do a lot of things through us and with us with that faith that we have. So this morning we're going to see what faith will do for and in the life that we're living in right now. If you've got your Bibles open to John, 1 John uh, chapter 5. I hope I said 1 John earlier. 1 John chapter 5. Stand with me just a moment. 1 John chapter 5. My Bible starts out and says, Overcoming the world. And I like that. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. 
This is the this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit that bears witness, because the Spirit is true. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we open up this service, Lord, and we start with a good word this morning with Brother John here and just uh, opening up our eyes and our hearts to faith. God, I thank you for my faith. Lord, I thank you for my faith. For I decided one day that I was sin sick and lost and bound for hell. And I placed my faith and trust in your son Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. October 26, 1998, I got down on my knees. Or 1997, I got down on my knees. And by faith, by faith, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it is by faith today that I walk through this world. It is by faith that each one of us get up in the mornings. It is by faith that each one of us can go out in this world and we can, uh, we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is by faith that we do all things. It is by faith, Lord, that we're here this morning. We continue to, to grow in the word, grow in knowledge, and mature in the word of God together as a congregation. And Lord, I pray today, whatever said and done behind this sacred desk would honor you and it would please you. Lord, I pray that we would uh, continue to, to grow here at the church, grow in our faith of you. God, I pray this morning that you'd be with those that we have traveled. We've got several out today. They're on the road. And I pray, Lord, that you would just place a hedge of protection around them and keep them safe and bring them back here at the next point in time. Lord, for those that we, we know of that are grieved today, Lord, I pray that you would be with them and comfort them in a great way. For those that are sick, Lord, again, we just ask that your healing hand be upon them, touch them, take away that ailment. Lord, I pray that you would get the glory out of whatever takes place in their life. Again, we thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning you've given us together. And I pray, Lord, we just take advantage of our time together and all the words that be said and spoken. We just please you. I'll your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Faith. Faith allows us to be called a child of God. I like that. I love that title. I, not that the, the title Christian is bad. It's Christ-like. But if, if I could make a more permanent title for the believer, I believe child of God would be a lot better. I believe that's a more, a more better picture, I guess, of who we are. I'm not just a Christ follower. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of God. Amen. So by faith, and with my faith, we can tell the world I'm a child of God because I have put my faith and trust right. in Jesus Christ. So that has made me a child of God. 
Now look at verse 1 again. It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also, that is begotten of him. Now this verse indirectly, it implies a, a biblical truth right here that you just you don't see. You've got to dig into it just a little bit deeper. And what it's telling us right here is that when we come to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, we become born of the kingdom of God, which makes us heirs to the throne. It makes us heirs to heaven. It makes us joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So we become uh, uh, children of the king. We become part of a family that we, it's not of this world. We become something greater than we could ever imagine because of putting our faith in Jesus. When we're born into the kingdom of God through Jesus, we become those children. Galatians 3.26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. I love that. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Amen. Jesus Christ. What that means, if you look across here today and you go up and down Squirrel Creek and all these other churches, any man, woman, child that's sitting in that congregation that says that they have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible flat, flat out right here, Paul's telling us, you're all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Every one of us that's put our faith and trust in Jesus has become a child Amen. of the King. We're all children of the King. So you can almost look at a church as a nursery right now. Because that's what we are. We're just a bunch of youngins. We're still growing. We're still mature in our, in our faith and in, uh, in, in the Word of God, as it says. We're growing in what we believe in. So, yeah, that's what church is. Church is kind of like a, a, a daycare or a nursery because we're all children of the King. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Remember, we talked about Abba, Father not too long ago. That's a good one. That's, that's, that's Daddy. That's Daddy, Father. That's, that's, what he, that's how Jesus refers to it, is Abba, Father. I mean, you can't get a higher... There is no other word above Abba right now. When you talk about Abba, Father... That is God himself. Abba Father, that is God. We're adopted into God's family, Amen. but it's through Jesus. It's not by works. We're not adopted into the family because we've worked our way into it. We're not slaves down here on earth out here hoeing out in Nat's garden and getting all the weeds and stuff out. All that he can do in the garden, all the work he does in the garden, that doesn't mean he's going to heaven. He's not working his way into adoption because he's out hoeing the garden and and picking beans and all that he does, spraying that, what you call that stuff? Spray on your majors out the grains. Bravo. Bravo. Remember that, Hey, We're going to get some bravo. Just because he's spraying bravo. We have good conversations before church, just so you all know. We can't bring him into church, though. So. Just because he works and slaves and does all the things that he does in the garden doesn't mean he's earning a way, earning himself Adoption papers. All right, we're not going out and doing chores and doing all these works around the community trying to earn adoption papers. I can't imagine. Remember, it's been in, in the doing the foster care thing a little bit, and, and the paperwork that's involved, and, and the the time that we have to spend, supposed to be spending on doing our con ed and all the things that we're supposed to be doing right now. There's a lot of work involved 
in adoption. There's a lot of works involved in, in foster care. There is absolutely no works involved in being adopted into the family of Jesus Christ. We don't have to do any work. It is that faith that we're talking about. It is by faith in Jesus Christ that we come into the family of God. It is by faith in Jesus Christ that we gain that mansion in heaven. It is by faith that we receive Jesus into our hearts and we receive these blessings. And we gain brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It is by faith in Him that we are, are granted all of this. We are adopted into God's family, though, again, by Jesus, through Jesus. With adoption comes a lot of promises. When we're adopted into the family, I know we've talked about promises over the past several Sundays, but there's a lot of promises that He's given us. But when He promised us eternal life, He meant it. So when we're saved and he says you're going to get eternal life, we're going to receive that eternal life. When he promised us that he wouldn't leave us or forsake us, he, he meant that. And as a child of the king, we're not going to lose that. We're going to have, man, we're going to have some hard times. Uh, my cousin uh, got married yesterday. And I, I got to meet with him Friday morning, her and, and, uh, and Jordan, her, her husband now. And met with him Friday morning. We had breakfast at Cracker Barrel and and we talked for a little while. And that's one of the things that, that I wanted them to understand that I don't think it's talked about a lot. You know, when, when a pastor or a preacher, when they counsel a new, a new couple that's getting ready to get married, they talk about a lot of different things. One of the things we talk about is being of equal yoke. That's a great thing. We want you to both be believers in Jesus Christ because you, if you ever you know, know what the unequal yoke really means, you're pulling against one another. If you're not equal, if you're not going at it equally, you're pulling against one another. That's what everybody talks about. But what they don't talk about is when you're of equal yoke, the devil makes it really hard on you. Because there's two believers in one house. There's two believers in Jesus Christ in one house. There's two people that have faith in Jesus in one house. And that makes him extremely mad. He doesn't like that. And so we have to we need to encourage these new couples that are getting married. To always remember, in your marriage, the devil's going to try his best to split y'all apart. In your marriage, the devil's going to try everything in his power to make y'all hate each other and to make your yoke unequal so that you fight against each other. But here's the thing that we need to remember. We don't have to live in fear or worry because we're a child of the king, God of the universe. We have no worries. Number one, you can't worry about death. There's absolutely no reason for any one of us as a child of the king to worry about death. Because we have faith in Jesus, we have faith in the promise that we have a heavenly home, an eternal home. That is that faith that he has given us, that he's got something greater for us. So it's time that we start living life, acting like it. There's greater things, there's nothing. We shouldn't be discouraged. I can't, I know, again, I preached on this not long ago, but we shouldn't be discouraged as Christians. We should be encouraged by what we have, by the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. That's encouraging knowing where we're going and that we have promises after promises after promises that he has made us and that he is fulfilling. That's encouraging. A lot of people walk around almost ashamed to be a Christian. Nowadays, the life we're living in, the world we're living in, a lot of people don't talk about it. Get around the water cooler at work on Mondays. What'd you do yesterday? Uh, slept, watched ball game, watched the race, 
Don't even mention going to church anymore. Talk about what the preacher said. Whether you liked it or not, talk about what the preacher said. Don't be ashamed of it. A lot of people go around this world ashamed because they feel like they're ashamed to be called by God's name, being called a Christian, being called Christ-like, child of the King. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I, I love what Paul wrote. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of what he has done for you. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of your church. Don't be ashamed Amen. of your brothers and sisters inside that congregation. Don't be ashamed. Have faith. Number two, faith shows me a different way to live. A different way to live. Do you believe that? When you're saved, your way of living changes. In a great way. Look at verse 2 again. It says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. So the unbeliever will say to themselves, I'll change. I'll be different. That's the unbeliever. That's the ones that have not put their faith in Jesus yet. I'll change. I'll do it on my own. I'll be different on my own. I can do this on my own. That's the unbeliever. What does the believer say? I can't do this. I can't change on my own. Right. We can't. And we finally realize when we come to faith in Jesus, we realize really quick, we can't do anything on our own. And it's through faith that we realize that we're going to grow and that we're going to change our life. The problem is that with these unbelievers saying that I'll make a change, I'll make a difference on my own, they might for a little while, but it won't stick. It won't stick. Faith in Jesus sticks. And it sticks forever. It's not going to slip off. It's not going to fall off. It's not going to leave you. It's not going to dry rot. It's going to stick with us forever. When we come to faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit produces an inward change in each one of us. I, I always think about this, and Maria, and I don't know if Abby can remember it or not, but one of the greatest changes in a Christian I've ever seen in my life was Toby Hicks when we had done Beach Valley. Toby, he was rough, wasn't he? He was a rough fellow. And he got saved. He got things right with God. And I've never seen, it was almost like somebody put the light switch on that man. It may have been the fact that I dropped him when we baptized him. He hit his head. I don't know. It may have something to do with it. What is he? Six foot four, six foot five. He's a big old scudder. We got back in the baptistry and I told him, I said, you're going to have to bend your knees. I'm not going to get you. And he had a big old nose anyway, so I thought I was going to push him a little bit deeper. But he got in there and I said, whatever you do, don't lock your knees. He said, because you're going to have to go down deep. Well, he locked his knees and his feet slid out from under and his head went back on the steps. That may have helped with this change a little bit. I don't know, but when we receive the Holy Spirit, we get an inward change. How do you think a drug addict gets clean? That inward change. How do you think an alcoholic gets dry? That inward change. How do you think someone that's deeply depressed changes? The Holy Spirit. It's that inward change in us through the Holy Spirit. That's what causes the change. That It ain't anything that we do because we, what we do don't stick. What God does sticks. 
but it's because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We receive a godly nature that can give us strength. We get this godly nature that gives us the ability to flee sin, to flee temptation. Now, we're going to that limit, yeah. But because we have that inward change inside of us, we can, we can try to dodge temptation a lot more. And, and, and we can dodge it a lot easier with that inward change. But without the inward change, you ain't dodging temptation. Without that inward change from the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to turn over or switch the TV off when something bad comes on. You're not going to be able to turn the internet off, your computer off when something bad pops up or that something goes across your mind that you want to look at. But that inward change that we have will cause you to turn the TV off. That inward change that we get will make you not want to be online looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at. That inward change takes you away from the devil's playground and all his temptations and leads you back over to a life that is pleasing to God. But it's that inward change. We receive that, that it sets us apart and it only comes from the Holy Spirit. It only comes Amen. from the righteousness of God. That's where it comes from. But you've got to have faith in Jesus before you'll ever receive it. You've got to remember that. Peter says, because he is holy, we should be holy. Number three, through faith I can have victory in this life. Before you're saved, you can care less. I'm going to live a while, I'll die. When you're saved, you have victory. We sang that song, Victory in Jesus. Amen to that. That's what it is. We have victory because of what he did for us. Verse 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? There was a soldier, I love this story, there was a soldier that was fighting in Alexander the Great's army back way back in the day. That might remember that. So he was way back in the day, that was a joke. He was sleeping, that's why I said it. But Alexander the Great, he had that name, he had that title, the Great, for a reason. And he had a soldier in his army, and they were in battle. And this soldier never would advance, he never would get to the front of the field. And every time that they would try to advance, this soldier would slip back a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. Well, the men in that army started complaining about it. So Alexander the Great goes up to this soldier and he says, Soldier, what's your name? He said, My name, sir, is Alexander. So Alexander the Great says, Your name is Alexander? He said, Yes, sir, my name is Alexander. He said, Then you need to get to the front of the line or change your name. Get to the front of the line or change your name. Because Alexander the Great wanted to have a great name. He wanted to be recognized. He wanted his name to be recognized as someone of of strength and power. You know, that's what that's what he wanted. If you're not going to be an Alexander, then change your name and get to the back. You just change your name to Sue and move to the back. But you're going to, you're going to fight or you're going to change, change your ways. What is our name? Children of God. That's what our name is. We're born again believers. That's what my name Amen. is. I'm born again. And so I'm going to go as far forward in this army as possible to fight with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm going to wield my sword, and I'm going to fight as hard as I can for Jesus. I don't want him to say, get to the back and change your name. He ain't going to. Jesus ain't going to come up to me and say, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to fight a little harder or get to the back of the line. Or he said, I'm just going to, I'm going to wipe away your salvation if you ain't going to do nothing more for me. That ain't how Jesus is. 
He ain't going to take away your salvation. We ain't going to lose our salvation. Yeah, we may get to the front of the line for a while and fight and get a little tired and step back for a while, but he's not going to make us or take away our salvation because we don't fight hard enough. But he does want us to be representatives of the king. He wants us to be representatives of the army of Jesus Christ. He wants us to represent his name. Jerry hit the nail on the head this morning when he's talking in, in Sunday school. We're, we are representatives. People see us and the way we handle things, the way we act. People see Jesus in us. And so we have to be careful how what we say and how we act and what we do. Our names carry with us something great, an assurance of victory. That title that we carry, however you want to say it, as a Christian, as a believer, whatever Christ-like, whatever you want to call yourself, that title that we carry shows victory. When somebody shakes my hand and gives me a testimony, says, I got saved on so-and-so date, I believe in Jesus Christ with all my heart. You know what I hear or what I, I feel? Victory. That person's won. They won. They have defeated the devil because they put their faith in Jesus. Jesus technically has defeated the devil. But I hear victory. Not just I'm a Christian. I hear victory. That's like that, that song that uh, I think King the Mayor sang. Victory shout. I love that song. Victory shout. That's what, when you give a testimony, that's what you're doing. You're giving a victory shout. I've overcome. I've overcome the world through my faith in Jesus Christ. Christians have to walk around with their head high and never feel defeated. Now, we do feel beat up. There's a lot of times that we feel like the devil beat us up. But we can never say that we've been defeated. I don't care how much you go through in life. You might go through, you might be the next Job. I don't know. But you can never feel defeated. Because Jesus has won a victory. He's won the victory for us. It means that we are victors. We, are, we have won. And we need to claim his victory. We need to claim that victory because of what he's done for us. The fourth thing, faith shows me the promise of God's word. Verse 6 says, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness, because the Spirit is true. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. And we receive the witness of men, and the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. Ben Franklin had a lot of great saints. Ben Franklin was a great man. Shame he wasn't president. One of the truest things he ever said was this. Only two things are certain. Taxes and death. It's true words. And two, and two things certain in this life. Taxes and death. He's a smart man. And he knew there's more things, more certainties in this life, I know. But as a Christian, we know that there are other certainties in this life that we, we have. We have that certainty again of salvation. When we're saved, we have that certainty of heavenly home. We have that certainty of eternal security. And that's a great certainty right there, knowing that we're not going to lose what we just received. That's awesome uh, certainty right there. 
But when we think about it, when it comes to spiritual truth found in God's Word, we shouldn't be afraid to say things like, I know, or we know. I know, or we know. We know that God promised not to leave us sinful. We know that. I want to tell people that. We know that he sent his only begotten son to be our savior, to be the savior for us. We know that when we come to faith in Jesus, we are promised a heavenly home. We know that. We shouldn't be ashamed to tell people that we know what we've got. We know what we've been given. We know what Jesus has done for us. We know what God done for us by sending his only begotten son. We know what the truth about the Bible. We know the truth about salvation. We know about the truth of, of the birth. And we know about the truth when it comes to the death, the burial, and the resurrection. We know all of these things. We can say we know with certainty. We can say we know and not be arrogant, but be respectful and have reverence when we say we know. Don't be arrogant when you say, well, I know that. I knew that. No, you tell them we know. I know what Jesus has done for me. We have the faith that we've put in him so we know what we're going to receive through all certainty and with confidence. Like arrogance, again, I'm, just, I'm going to repeat that. Don't be arrogant. Be confident. When you say, I know what he's done for me. I know, or we know, what Jesus has done for us. Because of the faith that we put in him, we know where we're going. And we know what we have to do here on earth while we're here. We know. We have a, a lot to do. Fifth and final thing. Faith allows me to leave earth knowing I'll be in heaven. And I've said that a couple times this morning. But I want to re-emphasize it one more time. I know where I'm going when I leave earth. When I leave wherever the Lord decides to call me out from, whether it be up here or with or wherever it may be, maybe in the bed, I don't know, but wherever he calls me home from, I know where I'm going. That's faith. Faith in knowing where I'm going to spend eternity. Verse 10 says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that, he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Eternal life is a gift. Eternal life is a gift. Do you work for a gift? Absolutely not. I don't work. Hazel's birthday next Sunday. Has she been out there mowing the yard and weed eating and feeding dogs and, and patching the roof? Don't get on the roof. Fixing the porch and all these other things. Has she been working this week getting ready for the gifts that she will receive next Sunday? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Eternal life is a gift. It is something that we receive from Jesus Christ. When we say, Lord, I've sinned, I failed you. I can't make it in this world on my own. I need a Savior. I need you right now, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. He gives you eternal life. He says, here I am. I'm going to come into your heart. I'm going to forgive you of your sins. I'm going to make you a child of the kingdom. I'm going to make you a son or a daughter. I'm going to make you an heir to the throne. Oh, by the way, here's eternal life. And you don't have to do anything else. Once you get it, you've got it. 
Now, y'all know how I feel about works after salvation. I'm all about it. I'm all about some works after salvation. See, we got some things to do after salvation. But we've got to remember, always remember, eternal life is a gift. Jesus gave us that gift. And it came from God as his only begotten son. That was his gift to us so that we could receive that gift of salvation. We've got to remember that gift, it's a person, and it's in Jesus. So we receive eternal life not only from him, but in him. In him. Through faith. I love Romans 10, 13. That's how you sign all my emails. I love that scripture. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Bible truth right there. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's no clause in there. There's nothing in there. There's not. You don't have to go to verse 14 to figure out, oh, it's only for the Americans. Or, oh, it's only for those that have Jewish heritage. There's no clause in there. There's, there's nothing else in there. It plainly states, for whosoever, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right. I'm a whosoever. I like my shirt. That's, that's my conversation shirt. I got a t-shirt where it says, I'm whosoever. That's a good conversation starter right there. What's that? <laughs> Let me tell you. I'm a whosoever. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you are guaranteed at that point in your life. It's salvation. Eternal life. It's a gift. God's going to, he's going on record right here in his word, right here in the Bible, has offered eternal life to those who will believe in his son Jesus Christ. It's there. It's in the Bible. It says, whoever will come to the saving grace, to the saving knowledge, my son Jesus, you will be granted. You will be given eternal life. But you got to come to my son Jesus in faith, knowing who he is and what he can do for you before you can receive it. And there's millions of Christians that have proved this, this scripture true. Millions, probably billions of Christians over the years that have proved this scripture to be true. And there's probably billions of people in heaven right now that are rejoicing because found out. It really is true. I don't know if any of y'all really doubt it, but not to believe to make is to make God a liar. If you don't believe that this is true, then you make God a liar. And that ain't right. Because he can't lie. Bible tells us that. He can't lie. He wouldn't lie. A father like he is, a heavenly father, a, a loving God that he is would not lie. He would not lie to his children. He wouldn't lie to us about salvation. He wouldn't lie to us about anything. We know who the father of all lies are. That's the devil. But not my God. He wouldn't lie to us. God wants his children to know that they belong to him. And you read this over and over again. Here in 1 John, we just read chapter 5. You can read that over and over again. And that all just put a smile on my face. It's just reconfirming, reconfirming, reconfirming. Everything that I felt on October 27th, 19, or 28th, 1998, 1997, I'll get out here, 1997. Everything I felt at that moment, I read that scripture right there, and it's just like reconfirming, reconfirming, reconfirming. Not that I need to, but it just puts a smile on my face because I know that I know that it's true. He wants us to know that we belong to him. He, 
I want y'all to know that you belong to him. John wanted you to know that you belong to him. That's why he was inspired to write this. why God inspired him to write this down. To confirm and reconfirm what you're feeling and what you've been told and taught and preached about and preached on. Anyone that believes in the Son of God has a testimony in their heart. If you have been saved, you have a testimony. Well, now, whether you give it or not, that's another story, but we all have testimony. We all have come from some place in this world to that point and we're saved. And we can tell the world about it if we wanted to. Some of you are a little shy. But I read, I read this down. I read this uh, this week. I want to read this to you. As children of God, we have a certainty of the Bible to assure us that if we are truly in the faith, we will have eternal life. We don't have to fear death because Jesus conquered the grave. We don't have to have fear of death because we just had Easter a couple well, months ago, or last month, April, I think. He conquered death. <laughs> Rose up with keys in his hand. He conquered it, so we shouldn't fear death. James Simpson. I'll end on another one of these nerdy notes for you. James Simpson, the discoverer of chloroform, was on his deathbed. And a friend asked him, he said, Sir, what are your speculations? Simpson replied, Speculations? I have no speculations, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. <laughs> On his deathbed, he said, I believe that I'm not going to lose my salvation. I believe that when I put my faith in Jesus Christ that, I, that he retained it, he kept it, and he didn't let it go. He didn't say you're a bad person because you created chloroform. Y'all know what chloroform is? If you watch any of those movies where they slip up behind somebody and put a rag over their, their face and they go to sleep, that's chloroform. Do you use that stuff? That's how you knock your patients out. I'd love to have that on the annual time, too. <laughs> and some fire calls. Faith in Jesus is something that you don't have to leave earth without. Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Do you have faith in Jesus? I got a lot of faith in Jesus. I have a lot of, I think a lot of us have faith in Jesus. Our faith in Him. Last year grew. We lost faith in a lot of other things, but I think our faith got a lot stronger in Him. We got tested last year. We got tested big time last year. The church, His church in general, got tested last year beyond what we'd ever imagined. And I feel like our faith in Him got stronger. There were some hiccups, there were some things that we had to overcome. And we did through him because we had faith in him to overcome these obstacles. But we've got to have that, that faith. That faith doesn't come in the form of religion. I'll say it again. Religion will send you to hell. It's relationship. If you have that relationship with Jesus, you have your faith in Jesus, then you'll get that assurance, that blessed assurance. Don't put your faith in religion. Mass, that's the most dangerous thing that you can do. Put your faith in religion. All kinds of religions out there get you in trouble. Keith talks about that little pot-bellied Buddha fellow that he had to move around. Send you to hell. That little pot-bellied fellow is probably sending a lot of people to hell. Buddha, I think that's who he's talking about. Lots of religions send you to hell. But when 
When you put your faith in Jesus, that's the only place you'll never have to worry about going. Amen. You get a heavenly home. Stand with me. We're going to close up. Faith. That's a big word. Faith. It takes faith. It takes faith. Lots of faith. morning, I'm going to close with this right here. Ever head bowed, ever I close? Just a moment. Just, just a moment. I just want you to think about that. Just, just for a second. Just think about your faith. Do you have it? We put faith in a lot of things. Lots of things in this world right now. We have faith in doctors. Last year we, we put a lot of faith in our doctors and scientists to come up with a way to, to fight this COVID thing. We put a lot of faith in doctors. We put faith in, in our banks. We put faith in, our, in our, uh, our mechanics. And we put faith in a lot of things in this earth. But have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Just think about that. Have you really, truly, and as, as we say often, do you have the time, do you have the place? Can, do you recall that time that you asked Jesus into your heart? Do you have that faith? And if you do, which is awesome, do you still have that faith that he's going to continue to answer your prayers? And do you have that faith that he's going to be with you and not forsake you? Do you still have your faith? Is your faith in Jesus as good today as it was the day you got saved? I know we lose faith. Like I said, we, we, we tend to lose faith in things. But one thing you can never lose faith in is Jesus. He will not leave you. Ever. Father, this evening as uh, we dismiss from this church service, Lord, I pray that you would be uh, with each one of us. God, I pray that this morning's message, it touched a heart. It reminded each one of us how much that we desperately need you. As we said in the beginning, as your word says, without you, we can't do a thing. We can't do nothing. Without our faith in your son, Jesus Christ, we can't do a thing. Lord, this morning as we depart from this church, I pray that we would put our faith in you. Our faith in you would grow stronger and we'd understand how dangerous it is for us to try to do things on our own would have a better understanding of just how strong a person that you are, how strong a God, how loving a God that you are. And I pray, God, our faith in you grows in the days ahead. Father, thank you. Lord, I, I can't thank you enough for my faith. Lord, the faith of the members of this church, as we've seen so much take place here over the past five years I've been here, we've seen you heal and work and do so so great a thing, but it's only because this congregation has faith in you. They have faith in the prayer life. Those that are struggling have faith in the prayer life of those that are here. But it's because of that faith that we have gotten to witness so many wonderful things come from you. Lord, we can't thank you enough for that. I pray, Lord, that you be with us this week as we go about our business. Father, I pray that we go about your business. Anywhere that we go, everywhere we are, 
and all that we speak to, that we'd be a witness to someone, that they'd see our faith and our actions and our words as well. We love you and we praise you. Tell us your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all are dismissed, and I'll, I'll see y'all live in the morning, I guess.